Hey, what's up, everybody out there in listening land? This is the Great Northern Way. This is your boy, Kevo, and I'm here with my special guest, Pat. Say what's up to the people, Pat. Hey, everybody. We are out here today exploring the greatest, one of the, the greatest places here on this continent of North America, that is Canada. And, you know, a lot of people from America want to know, want to get the scoop, want to get the down low on what is going on north of our border. And, of, and for, good, for good reason, there's a lot of things going on. So me and Pat are going to just talk about the different things, the, the things that go on uh, here in Canada, some of the things that people may not be aware of. Uh, but, you know, talk about other things. And then also for the people who are actually from here, uh, you know, but not necessarily from this province, we're going to talk about some things in, uh, wait, what's that place again? What place again? Come on. The big E, the big Gretzky. <laughs> Where I'm from. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm from Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, moved to Vancouver 12 years ago. And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about our process and how and why, more importantly, uh, we moved to this fine city of Vancouver, Canada. Will we be talking about the Calgary Flames, though? Uh, absolutely, in the fact that they absolutely suck. Okay, all right, good. We just had to get that out of the way. Uh, this is a nonpartisan show. But, you know, we're going to get out there and talk about some of the things that are going on and, and, and lots of the things that uh, Americans are wonder, wondering about. Because I do know growing up, there was a lot of different things that I just did not know about this great Northern way. So uh, without further ado, I, I just feel like we need to just talk to the people about perceptions and perception issues because I feel like that's the one thing that Canada always loses out on on really weird where people get their knowledge from but I would say Pat like what would you say was your perception before you moved to this province here of British Columbia Vancouver what was your perception of Vancouver and the people well I had more of a perception of the city itself and not necessarily the people uh what drew me to Vancouver was the opportunity to uh, work in the film and television industry. Uh, I had a couple friends and I that were all in Edmonton, um, and there happened to be a uh, television show that was being filmed in Edmonton, like one of three that I can think of in the last, you know, 20 years. Uh, it was like a Brad Pitt, uh, no, sorry, it, this was a, a television show that they were working on. Um, and uh yeah, so they were on the show, caught the bug, really enjoyed their time being creative. And uh, my one friend, John, he decided to move uh, a year before I did. And the moment he stepped foot in Vancouver, uh, he decided to bring along his pals. And so he told me to um, get my ass to Vancouver uh, in his uh, polite way. And uh, yeah, so that's why I kind of forged ahead and and decided to, um, you know, decided to move to Vancouver. That's very interesting. I mean, you know, being from Los Angeles and obviously, you know, kind of the home of film and television, to, to hear someone say that about a, a place, uh, you know, obviously north of of, of the states yeah. to say, yeah, you need to get your, get yourself over here because there's a lot of things going on in production. That that is one thing that kind of caught me off guard as far as that. I, 
lots of people are not aware, but you know, people may want to know. People down in California, Los Angeles, there's a lot of film and television production that goes on here. Yeah. So you know, that's that's what I've seen. Yeah, they actually call uh, Vancouver Hollywood North. Um, and yeah, growing up, I never thought that this would be uh, an option in terms of a career. Um, but yeah, there are plenty of you know lower budget sci-fi stuff that's filmed here. Uh, you have a lot of the superhero TV shows, like the DC stuff that's shot here. Uh, MacGyver, back in the day, was shot in Vancouver. The original. Uh, the original. The only MacGyver. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, I just found that out, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Two day. Yeah. I was two day years old. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, Stargate was a, another big show that was filmed out here. Um, yeah, and so for me, the perception of Vancouver was was more of a perception of opportunity. Uh, it was a bigger city um, in terms of population, even though Edmonton uh, is a sprawl city, so like uh, it's actually technically larger than Vancouver. But uh, yeah, so it, I, I felt as though I needed to kind of spread my wings a little bit and move out here to see in terms of being a graphic designer, uh, just comparing myself to uh, world talent and see where I, I stacked up kind of thing. Nice, nice. I, I love that. I love that idea, obviously, of pushing yourself to a better boundary. Um, you know, so I, I really understand that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that's really cool, Pat. Yeah. So how about you? What were, what were your perceptions of Canada and, and whatnot? To be honest, you know, like when I was growing up, I used to look at magazines, you know, before the everyone, you know, was all on social media every five minutes. But no, magazines actually carried a lot of great content. And I remember National Geographic magazines, uh, periodicals, and they'd have a huge uh, advertisement for something called, uh, what is that? The, oh my goodness, the, uh, that train. Um, the Rocky Mountaineer. Ah, yes. <laughs> is that the, the one? The Rocky Mountaineer. And it's like, you'd see these these advertisements for these beautiful, you know, this train that went through these, this mount, these very, very, you know, vast mountains and beautiful, you know, snow-capped mountains and, right. and Rocky Mountains and just beautiful, beautiful scenery for miles and miles or kilometers and kilometers. And, um, <laughs> you know, you would just, it was very, very great to see. And uh, yeah. it just kind of like made me just curious about what, what exactly that, uh, bank, uh, excuse me, well, at that time, Canada encompassed. So for me, I didn't really know where it was. Uh, you know, it was actually a shock to me to, to get here and find out that it was in British Columbia. Right. So did you have any other um, experiences before you, you actually moved here? Like what, what actually drove you to actually uh, take the plunge and, and move uh, north of the border? Very good question. Um, I would have to say that I came during a holiday. Uh, I guess it was during the Halloween time. Um, and I guess the biggest knock on Vancouver was, oh, well, yeah, it's a great, it's a beautiful city as far as the land is concerned, but it's not very diverse. Um, and I think what people were speaking of is the city and that and by the city, I mean, maybe downtown. Right. But when you actually went there, or excuse me, when I was here during that time period, what really surprised me was that, uh, all the communities are surrounding the greater Vancouver area. I consider it all 
Vancouver, uh, would kind of come out and be downtown. And there was a huge population of East, East Indians that were out actually celebrating so much so that uh, the main one of the main strips here is Granville Street. And they shut it down right. uh, because there was such a huge population of people, you know, here to celebrate. And I just, to be honest, it, uh, it spoke to me of a more diverse place because what I had heard was that it wasn't that way. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, that was one of the things that really kind of like changed my perception and was a... Um, was a good uh, a thing that actually reconsider mm-hmm. Vancouver as a place to be. Great. Um, yeah. So then in terms of, in terms of your experience, did you, what did, what about LA? Did you, were you kind of done with LA or like, how did, how did that come about? Like a push in the pool. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think with LA as it, as it was, it's, Lots of beautiful things. The beaches, beaches out there are beautiful, but I feel like, and a lot of people in Southern California can probably relate to this, is that um, the traffic, uh, even during uh, the COVID times, uh, it was a little bit better, but it still was a sting, you know, depending on what time you left home. Um, you know, the push was that. The push was the $6 a gallon gas prices, $10 a gallon if you lived in Malibu. Um, the push was uh, the, the mounting, you know, crisis crises going on in Venice in Venice and the surrounding areas right. um, I had a friend whose brother had bought a home in, in Venice and and they bought a beautiful home just started a family but because people were jumping their fence and, and attacking wow. uh, or at least uh, you know harassing the pregnant wife um, they weren't able to stay there it's just so many different things and, and that's just one that's a small scale that's micro um, but on that, that micro level and and even my own dealings with people that would just be com- confrontational, uh, you know, even in Santa Monica, right. um, lots of things like that were part of the push. But the pool uh, was, you know, obviously such such beautiful nature out here. Mm-hmm. I, I know it does rain and you can't go around that. But if people truly could understand what rain brings, rain brings uh, beautiful greenery, gr- beautiful plants, beautiful spring. Yeah. Um, I mean, everything and anything will blossom here. And uh, even just yesterday, I was at Lake Alouette. Um, and I'm just talking about kilometers and kilometers of beautiful evergreen trees um, and just beautiful scenery and a beautiful lake, right. you know, obviously surrounded by uh, mountainous peaks. It's just, it's, you know, the rain, uh, obviously, you know, it's, it's in some way it infringes on what our, our ability to live a city life. But if you really think about it, it enhances our, our nature life. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. Um yeah, no, it's it's interesting because um, recently a lot of like I'm I follow a, a lot of stand up comedians um, that and their podcasts and um, you know a lot of them are actually leaving uh, L A and uh, moving like for example Joe Rogan he's in he's in Texas um, one of his good friends is also has moved from. Um, like Tom Segura, he's moved to Texas and they just, you know, fly back to LA to do their big shows or whatever. And I mean, like if you're a comedian, you're traveling the country, you know, sometimes popping up to Canada, um, you don't really need your home base to be in LA. It's no longer looked at as this Mecca. So I'm wondering if that's a trend. I mean, whether or not like the most recent events and, and all that um, has really um, made people realize that, you know, may- maybe the, the glitz and glamour of Hollywood is uh, has a little bit worn off. What do you think of that? 
I I think you are hitting so many nails on the head, and I think uh, it's not even necessarily glitz and glamour because um, you know it it's it's a staple for a reason, right? There's right. so much history, um, and of course, you know everyone everyone understands that. I just think that when you can do it somewhere else and create some of that magic somewhere else, it's like why not? You right. know, uh, Anthony Bourdain's show took you around the world right. and showed you the magic in so many places in Europe and so many different different things. And so you don't necessarily need to be central to a studio yeah. to to uh, show the magic. And I think that's the point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, different magic, I know Edmonton, you know, that was it's such a place where, you know, I guess it, it, it you call it suburban sprawl and whatnot. But I just see like, you know, there was uh, there's there's been some greats and speaking of which the great one. And so talk <laughs> about some of the uh, some of the things that you may have felt that you miss most about your former city, uh, maybe even as it evolves, the great one. Yeah, I mean, Edmonton will always be home for me. Um, my family's there. I have really good friends still there. The people, the knock on Vancouver is is the interactions between people. I don't think that people are mean here. I feel like it's just a a undefined um, coldness that <laughs> they like. You move here and you're just like you don't want to be different, right? So uh, I remember when I first moved here. Um, uh, walking down the street, you don't really make eye contact or even say hello to people. Uh, whereas in Edmonton, the people like if you go walking uh, around the lake, um, there's there's plenty of lakes um, that you can uh, do morning walks on, and and people are very um, very cordial and happy, and you know people say hi to you. Um, yeah, and, and it's like kind of like an unspoken rule here that that people are just minding their own business, and and so that's one thing that I miss about Edmonton. Um, and, and then in terms of the hockey, um, you know, it, it was one of the first things that my dad, uh, who moved from uh, from China to uh, San Francisco first, he was there for a couple years, and then moved up to Edmonton. And the way he was able to uh, kind of ingrain himself into the uh, community was by actually watching hockey. He would, he actually, there's a famous story where he would tell that um, it was the playoffs and Edmonton, uh, he, he had a test the next, next day and he actually <laughs> failed the test because he was watching the hockey game. And, um, you know, growing up, I mean, even now, um, hockey is kind of the one thing that I share with my dad. And so that's something that kind of pushes that bond. Uh, every time I go back at Christmas time, I usually buy us hockey tickets and we'll go to a hockey game. Um, and so, yeah, I've done that for the last few years. Growing up, we would go see a game here and there whenever we could afford it. Um but yeah, so in terms of uh, kind of the community and and being a part of a community that, you know, will also, when merging lanes, will wave to the person behind them to thank them for letting them into the lane. So 
that's something that I've tried to carry over into Vancouver every time I need to merge, which is quite often in this city. <laughs> um, it, I, I usually wave my hand uh, in gratitude for letting them uh, letting me into the lane. So that's that's funny. You talked about your dad and what and going to the hockey games that actually. Um you know, ingratiated your, you guys' relationship or at least increased your bond. I think about going to downtown with my family, mm-hmm. my dad, downtown LA, going shopping, nice. um, buying a Lakers t-shirt, big old purple and uh, purple and gold t-shirt, and then uh, going to Knott's Berry <laughs> Farm, um, things, of that, things of that nature. Like, those are the things. Or even going to an actual um, Laker game right. as well. So, like, I can kind of understand that and then i wow i'm actually kind of smiling thinking back in los angeles so i do understand there was some fun yeah fun memories and things of that nature but uh you you bringing up the hockey games just kind of made me reminisce on that that was, <laughs> that was a moment please please continue I, well no i mean that's that's kind of it i i think um yeah i mean for me it was there's definitely a lot of um a lot of great things about edmonton whether or not being one of them um, in the summer times is actually really nice. Uh, it's a very extreme weather kind of, uh, city. Like there's in the summertime, it's wonderful because even though you've noticed that we get more light up here, right. Um, in the summertime, uh, in Edmonton, it's even further North. So, um, during around the summer solstice, there's actually times where it doesn't go completely dark, right. It's, 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 uh, there's still a little bit of difference between, you know, this, the, the night sky and the trees. You can still see a little bit of the trees. So um, that's how north Edmonton is, um, which means that in the wintertime, it gets hella cold. Uh, you know, minus 36 for a couple weeks, um, and that's Celsius. Uh, Joe Rogan has a funny, um, funny bit where he, uh, visits, I think he was in Minnesota and he's like, oh, oh no, sorry. It was in Canada. And, and he was saying how, um, uh, someone, he says, how cold does it get here in the wintertime? And he's, and whoever he was talking to was saying like minus 50 or something like that. And he's like, is that Fahrenheit or Celsius? And the guy just answered, it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) At that point, it doesn't matter. It, At that point, it, it's, yeah. It's, um, when you have to deal with what's called wind chill, that's something that is a very Canadian term, I guess, um, um, where you have to factor in the uh, wind gusts so that you can calculate actually how cold it feels. So it might be minus 26, but with wind chill with like, you know, 20 kilometer hour winds or whatever, it may feel like minus 35, 36. Yeah. So it gets, it gets really cold there. So I definitely don't miss the extreme temperatures. Like in the summertime, it, it'll go up to like plus 30 uh, Celsius um, and sustain for, you know, quite a bit of time. So there is those extremes being in that city, um, that you don't get in Vancouver. And I, I prefer that because for me, plus 25 Celsius is my max operating temperature, <laughs> anything higher than that. And I'm, I need to like be very still, uh, be in the least <laughs> amount of clothing that is possible. And yeah, I, d- I definitely do not do well in, in the heat for sure. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. I, and I can 
second that emotion, you know, being in Los Angeles and yeah. having the 95 Fahrenheit degree, whether that's dry heat, right. you know, and been living in the valley. So as opposed to Edmonton and, and uh, you know, parts of Los Angeles, such as the valley, are the same because it's, you know, it's long and flat or sprawl. Right. Is what you said. But yeah, um, yeah I, do you feel like, um, did, and I guess this is kind of a no brainer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you feel like your last city didn't embody the things that uh, Vancouver embodies for you? Well, I mean, it's it's very different. Like, there's I've always said that there's two types of Vancouver. Um, there's there's the Vancouver that you visit. So I did that growing up. Um, you know, several summers when I was growing up, we would come in and uh, visit my aunt and uncle, um, and it's just crazy to see a, a proper downtown. Like growing up in Edmonton, there's very few and very sparse uh, high rises. And coming to Vancouver, uh, you go across the Canby Street Bridge. It's one of my favorite views. You come into downtown and you're flanked by, you know, all these beautiful high rise buildings and you have BC Place. Um, and so those were things that were very big city to me. And that's what I felt Vancouver embodied. Um, I mean, Edmonton now, they just built a new hockey rink downtown. That entire area is developing. Um, and in the 12 years that I've been here, it's really been, um, it's been very, um, exciting to actually see that, you know, downtown Edmonton is, is being developed kind of thing. Um, so in terms of Vancouver embodying different things, it's, it's very different. Um, so going back to my point about there's two Vancouver's, the other side is, you know, the Vancouver that is, um, you know, rent is expensive. Uh, the prospects of owning a home are n- almost impossible on a single income unless you move out to um, the far suburbs now. Um, so yeah, getting into real estate is, is the prospects of that is very difficult. So there's definitely uh, two types of like Vancouver's that you, that people are exposed to. I, I know a lot of people who have moved to Vancouver thinking that it was going to be this great city, but then it's, there's a lot of these things about Vancouver that that aren't um, aren't exactly how people expect them to be, right? So, um, for me, I've been here for 12 years. Um, even myself, I'm like, am I at a stage in my life where I might want to move back to Edmonton to maybe own some property or? Um, or even look at, you know, having a family or whatever, right? So um, not to say that you can't have a family in Vancouver, but it's, it's very difficult. It's, there's, uh, the cost of living is, is fairly high for Canada, uh, one of the highest in Canada. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, those are kind of the, the different values, I think, is like one city, Edmonton is more of like the nesting city where you you know, you go through the white picket fence life adventure, you know, um, and you go to school, find someone to be with, pump out a couple kids, um, you know, get a house. And then, you know, the whole cycle kind of repeats itself. Whereas in Vancouver, 
I find that a lot of the people that are here in Vancouver aren't originally from Vancouver. Um, and so there's a lot of different, um, different kind of uh, values and, and things that they want to accomplish when they come to Vancouver, like uh, whether it be job or uh, job kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, what's the other thing? Yeah, job, yeah, right? yeah, job kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah, so how about you? I mean, um, are there things that uh, Vancouver embodies that aren't present in L.A.? I think it's hard to fathom for Canadians to think that, oh, like, America is this supposed to be the land of opportunity and 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 abundance kind of thing. It is the land of opportunity. It is the land of abundance. You know, my presence here doesn't negate any great thing that already uh, takes place. Uh, I think, and, and, you know, I think maybe it's just at a point in my life, right? So I could say, you know, whatever I feel. But, I, you know, your, if your question was, is there anything that uh, Vancouver embodies that Los Angeles doesn't? Um, you know, I feel like just being a all-around better better at knowing, like, more about wildlife, more about knowing about nature, um, there are just things here that are just important um, that I feel like most people should know. I mean, most people in Southern California, they go camping. Uh, they'll talk about weekends at Yosemite. They'll talk about weekends at Mammoth. Uh, you know, they'll go skiing, skiing up to snow caps and stuff like that. Um, they'll talk about weekends, you know, here and there. So uh, just being more all around and those things that, you know, are weekend trips, you know, for most people in Southern California are right around the corner if you're in Vancouver. So maybe there's not necessarily much more that Vancouver embodies as much as it's just access, as much as it's just proximity. Right. I mean, mere proximity changes everything, everything. You know, if you're paying $6 a, a gallon for gas, right. but to go to a ski, you know, take your family skiing and it's only an hour away, mm-hmm. um, well, that changes everything. Right. You know, that, that cost goes down. Yeah. Um, maybe not dramatically, but enough. Uh, right. And if you're if you're on a budget. So, yeah. It, and, and that's the thing. You don't even need to go far. Right. If you can't make it to Whistler. There's Squamish. Right. If you can't make it to Squamish. You know, there's North Vancouver. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. There's three mountains. There's like the triple crown here. Uh, Seymour, Cypress and uh, oh, I always miss the third one. Seymour, Cypress. Grouse? Grouse. There you go. You got Woo, look at me. I'm new. And yeah, I there got you go. This. I, got this. I always forget one. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's two. It's always best yeah, two yeah. out of three. Yeah. But no, I just say that That's a good point. Van- what Vancouver embodies uh, may be just, just being more practical. Right? right. So like, yeah, the fact that they're downtown here, you can actually, you know, abide it. You can actually get to it. Like if you are driving, yeah, driving or walking, actually, mm-hmm. uh, if you look at this city, it's look, it's so it's so beautifully planned. They have a sky train that goes, yeah. as, you know, as far as 90 to 100 kilometers out to uh, Surrey, which is the surrounding area, maybe even Langley. Um, you may have to take different routes. It runs till midnight. Uh, very cost efficient. Um, so that's great. Um, so and then if you lived anywhere near that, if you live even in uh, what's called East East Vancouver, I mean, your your proximity to downtown is really not that far. No, you not could, at all. Uh, you could truthfully bike. Yeah. And speaking of biking, they mm-hmm. made this city more bikeable. They made it more, uh, you know, advantageous to have a bike, save that money on those, you know, extra costs. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you can get into downtown and, it, 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 you know, in Los Angeles, you could get into downtown and that would be the end of your day. Right. <laughs> like yeah. like trying to get out of it. Right. You know, is going to take you a two to three hours. So you might as well stay there. Yeah. You know, 
you know, I don't know, whatever it is that you need to do, whatever business you need to handle. Yeah. Um, so th- this city for me embodies practicality, yeah. better planning and uh, cost efficient travel. And yeah. I think if you like the city life, yeah. right, but you also enjoy a bit of nature. Yeah. Then, then that's it. If you just love city life, right? Nothing else for you, nothing else better. Then it doesn't really matter where you live. You can live right. truly anywhere. Yeah. Because uh, somewhere besides, you know, Middle America or Middle Canada, mm-hmm. they have some city life. So, for sure. um, you know, but I think I think I just uh, want it to be more well-rounded. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, in terms of actually, like, once you decided to move, like, what was that process like? Like, can you explain? what that was like how 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 did you move up here uh well basically i the first thing that i felt that I, that needed to be done was to find a place um you know it was very it, I, I suppose there are some misperceptions that go into but if you've never uh, lived in a place or rented uh a, a, a apartment or home internationally you kind of sort of don't know what to expect um i kind of went uh, i found this website called zumper very good website and uh, helped me out a lot. Lots of different contacts to landlords and property managers. And uh, yeah, I was able to go through that process and find a place. And I also encountered the, there were places that just didn't, they only, believe it or not, only rented to Canadians uh, Hmm. because they uh, had some kind of subsidy that was uh, done by the province or done by the federal government in Ottawa. So, you know, I, you know, I happened upon that as well, but I feel like there's a lot of Americans who probably wouldn't know that, but, but everyone should be aware. But, uh, that, that process for me, I came here on a six month tourist visa, uh, and for Americans who are not in the know, if you know felonies and able to cross the border, have a passport, um, that is something we're offered. Um, that visa is good for six months, and according to two immigration attorneys, all you need to do is leave for one day, you can come right back. Um, so, you know, that's that's also, that's one way. Another way would be work permit or student permit, uh, and those ways work as well. But, um, yeah, that was just my process. Um I actually, you know, I probably wouldn't advise this to most, but it worked out for me. I found a place on on Zumper and I contacted a property manager. Everything was done virtually. Uh, I was emailed the um, the rental agreement, printed it out, signed it, uh, sent it back. Could have done it through a PDF, but uh, wanted to have the tangible documents in my hand just in case. What is right? that like? Having actual paper? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? In, in this digital world? Yeah, well, you know, Mama always said, get a receipt. Yeah. Thank you, Mama. So, you know, yeah, it's just, uh, that's what I did. And I just, uh, I I did a virtual tour with the manager. And the manager was just very, very, you know, very nice. And, uh, you know, was able to secure a place that way. So as far as the how, that was part of it. And, um, you know, also the the other how was the actual uh, physical moving, moving yourself up here. So, yeah, uh, you know, I got a trailer, excuse me, U-Haul with a trailer, attached my car and, and uh, fill the U-Haul up, um, nice. but those are the those are the hows. Um, but the uh, the biggest how is, um, you know, w- w- what would uh, what would push you to somewhere so far up north? And uh, you know, we obviously know about uh, relationships, and we'll get into that at a further show. But uh, <laughs> that that I feel was also another another leader that pushed me uh, the ending of a relationship. But yeah, yeah, you and me both. hey man for another day yeah so stay tuned for that next episode or (laughs) that future episode i should say uh so did you run into any any issues or would you do anything differently 
I think the issue that I ran into, first of all, and part of that driving uh, was that I didn't know that, you know, when you Google it, it takes about 20 hours, but I didn't know you actually need to get rest in between. Of course, you can't do the straight shot. I think one night would have been practical, but it actually took me about three nights. Okay. Uh, because it gets, it's just very tiring. And also, um, for people who may be considering to do something similar, such as a U-Haul with a trailer attached, those trailers, um, they they kind of uh, um, they kind of shift to the left. They kind of drift to the left is the better word to say. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, I didn't know that, and I was I kept constantly getting honked at. Oh, really? and I was okay. you know what I mean like you're driving something that long. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like whoever's honking at you could be three car lengths away. Right. So I'm just sitting there, you know, listening to Whitney Houston, you know, and <laughs> I will always love you. And then somebody in the back is honking at me. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, and I will always love you too, <laughs> you know. But uh, I start looked in my rearview mirror, and I did casually notice that my trailer with my car attached was drifting into the uh left hand the left hand side so basically the uh whomever was on the driver's side right. was actually had to maneuver around my car right or the trailer excuse me right so i would say just be aware that trailers although they work they are they um they do drift um okay. that's part of my how was there any part of your how that uh that uh, you you know, had the yeah. encounter coming here? Well, yeah. I mean, for me, it was a lot easier to, a lot easier for me to, um, to move here because really the only logistics is, well, first is, yeah, same, same process, got a U-Haul, um, loaded my life up and, uh, yeah, a friend of mine, he drove my car and I drove the U-Haul very smart. And I remember it was December 27th. That's how badly I wanted to leave Edmonton at the time, was driving through uh, the main highway, the Coquihalla. And almost, I mean, in some cases, it can be dicey. Uh, but for me, luckily, thankfully, uh, the weather was okay. And there was really only one short section that was covered in snow. Everything else was pretty dry. So that made the drive fairly easy. Um, I remember by the time I was about an hour and a half out around Hope, um, I remember the uh, right after Hope, I had to stop there because I was just so tired. We had been driving since like 5, 6 a.m. I think we were on the road by like 6.30. So we were up at like 5, uh, 4.30. And so I was just super tired um, and then stopped in Hope to uh, put in some eye drops because I was, I was falling asleep and just dozing off and wasn't very safe so I, I figured okay I, I need to I need to kind of take a break and then I remember um you know December 27th in Edmonton full-on winter uh snow and everything and I remember I got this jolt of adrenaline when I uh looked outside and I didn't see snow and I immediately got on the walkie-talkie to my buddy, and I was like, look outside, there is no snow. So I knew I was super close to Vancouver, and I hauled in that U-Haul. <laughs> I hauled 
ass for sure. So yeah, I mean, that was that was what I remember from the actual drive itself. Um, for me, some of the other stuff that I had to take care of was, you know, registering my vehicle with, with ICBC, getting a new ID and... And for the people who don't fully understand what the depths of ICBC yeah. is, please understand, uh, let them know how that there's only, I believe there's a monopoly on the... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a crown corporation, so it's a public service. So the government is runs this... Um, this business in in Alberta, I'm not sure what other provinces are also privatized, but Alberta is privatized insur- car insurance. So for me, I've always disliked the uh, the prospect of a public uh, service for insurance because if you get into a collision, that company, because it is uh, as you put it, the monopoly in British Columbia. They have to pay out everything on both sides. Whereas uh, in Alberta, if it's privatized, if you're in a collision, it's not always a guarantee that the other driver is insured by the same company. And so there are some wins and some losses. Uh, whereas in in British Columbia, they're paying both sides. They're paying if there's injuries, they're, they're paying all, all that, and the physical therapy, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. So originally, I heard or read that it was created like this so that uh, privatization wouldn't jack up prices, right? But unfortunately, with their business model, they have to uh, jack up the prices. I believe um, insurance rates in British Columbia are some of the highest in the country. And prior to the pandemic they were operating at close to a billion dollar a year loss. And so um, I just never understood coming from Alberta why this system is still in place. And now um, it's a little bit better because for the first, let's call it four, five, six months of the pandemic, nobody was really on the roads and so they actually were able to not have that many collisions to deal with because everyone was supposed to be inside and all you really had were, you know, commercial vehicles kind of thing. So um, after the pandemic uh, happened, uh, the following year, you saw some rebates where I, I received probably three, four hundred dollars back from ICBC, um, the rates went down themselves, um, which was nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's still more, even now, still more expensive um, on average, I think, to uh, have insurance uh, through ICBC versus privatized insurance. Wow. And that's the big thing. You know, car insurance is a you know serious thing. You don't necessarily have to drive here as much as you do in Los Angeles. But yeah, I mean, car insurance in general, mm-hmm. um, I would say for me, the biggest thing, uh, biggest misperception or the biggest thing that I did not know that I would the reality of it was that uh, there's no air conditioning in the buildings here. Uh, in most buildings, actually. And that really caught me off guard because yeah. in, you know, in Southern California, that's a staple. You know it's going to get hot. Yeah. Uh, even, I mean, at the very least, there's a fan. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, out here, there, there's not that. And, um, you know, it's 
it's, it's just something that catches you up for hard. sure. And I know a lot of people back home uh, just wouldn't know about that. But yeah. you know, we've we've talked about a lot of great subjects and we delved into a lot of great things. Some things that we probably want to delve into more definitely about relationships more. Um, but I, you know, I really thank you for for joining me today, and uh, yeah, it's thanks. been really great and informative. And I and I'm just you know really overwhelmed by this city. And 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 if people know don't know anything else, just know that. Uh, there's just so many great people that you'll run into. Pat, you are one of those. And and like if you really, truly are holding back on moving to Canada because you have a misperception about how you'll be welcomed, I've received nothing but love and just good, kind gestures here. Um, and so just taking this time to just give you a shout out, say thank you for that. And uh, anybody else out there in listening land uh, who's Linda, Linda Kev Ohan, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we're. We uh we thank you guys for joining us today and uh, please stay tuned. Is there is there anything uh, any way for the people to uh, reach you or to see anything that you work? Yeah, I mean if you want to reach out to me, my handles on everything is Pat Kitlo, P A T K I T L O, and yeah, I, I do photography, I do graphic design. So if you're interested in any of those things, uh, check out my Instagram. Oh, uh, quick question. You, you yeah. will be coming back to join us at least initially for a couple more episodes? Yeah, I think that, so. Okay, okay. Just so the people will have more than one way to uh, reach you again. For sure. You guys know uh, my, my handle here is at uh, Kevin, K-E-V-I-N-K-A-P-E-L-L-M-N-O, and that's on Instagram. So please reach out if you feel. Uh, but thank you guys for joining us today. We appreciate your listening time and uh, hope that you have a great one and be kind to someone out there. Have a good one, everyone. Bye-bye.